Hello and welcome back to IDK Adulting with me, Abby Beezer. I'm so glad that you're listening again. So I would gather from you listening to this podcast yet again and listening to this episode that I'm not the only one who wants to know more about how to better take care of my car. They're pretty darn important pieces of equipment that we need to live our lives. Um, Anyway, yeah, glad to have you back. Uh, Sorry that this episode was posted a bit late. Life kind of happens, especially right now. I'm still in college, so my papers, projects, and such kind of get in the way, but this weekend was kind of special because the bit of life that got in the way this weekend from when I normally record and edit my podcast was that I went to visit one of my grad school options out of state, so it took a lot of time away from me doing this podcast this weekend as well as from my other homework, Um, so sorry about it being posted later than normal. Okay, so just some really, really quick housekeeping. Ta-da! We are now on Apple Podcasts, and we are on Pocket Casts, and we are also on Overcast. So if that is where your friends and family really like to listen to their podcasts, point them that way. We're now available over there. This week's episode is Cars, the Saga, Part 2. Before I get started, I should let you guys know that yet again, I am using that book, How to Repair Your Car, by Paul Brand, that my roommate gave me. As I promised last week, I'm going to do another episode about cars. But yeah, so since this is a continuation of last week's episode, the format for this week is going to be a bit different. Uh, I figured that instead of having my applicable questions and the basics section, I was just going to go ahead and do the basics of some parts of your car. Um, specifically, I'm going to look at tires, uh, and there's so much to talk about with tires that this episode might end up being just about tires, and hey, that's okay, because this is kind of a bonus episode, because it's a part two of a saga. Yeah, so I'm going to look at tires. I'm going to look at tire pressure, uh, tire wear and tear, different types of tires, tire alignment, just a little bit because tire alignment gets pretty involved, and changing a flat tire. If you listen to Cars the Saga Part 1, uh, you will have heard my getting a flat tire story and how I had to get my grandpa's help to help me get the car home because I was kind of panicking about it. Anyway, I'm going to go over how to change a flat tire, especially since I've seen it and I've helped with I figured I should share that with y'all. And thankfully, a lot of things with tires are things that we can deal with ourselves. Like, there's some things like the alignment that I personally would not mess with because, you know, (laughs) I'm not super skilled with cars when it comes to the popping the hood bit, but hey, you know, some of you might be more confident about it than me. Um, Always, though, I would say check with someone who has experience because you never know what you could do wrong until you do it. Okay. Tires, tires, tires. Easily one of the most important parts of your car because it's the part that connects your car to the ground. Okay, so first off, I'm going to go through the different types of tires because there are quite a few and it's very important to know these things about tires when you're looking for new ones because they're complicated just like the rest of the car. So yeah, when you're looking for new tires for whatever reason, whether it be you got a flat or they're just worn out or, you know, some of our first concerns are price, warranty, and tread life. 
especially as college students, college grads, and 20-somethings, maybe early 30-somethings, this really has no age limit, we're all concerned with the cost. Like, we don't want to be overpaying for things. But the thing is, another thing we need to be concerned about with tires is with their primary job, which is the grip. Their primary job is to grip the pavement to provide traction so your car can go, stop, and steer well. If the tires don't grip the road and you hit the brakes real hard, you'll just skid and keep going. And as someone who's experienced that on ice... That's terrifying to go like swerving and skidding and don't worry, I was fine. But it's still very scary and my heart was racing a mile a minute the entire time I drove home. The key things that go into the grip of a tire are its sidewall construction, the rubber compound used to make the tire, and the tread design. Because I mean, if you look at different tires from like your Honda Civic to maybe like your neighbor's Camaro to your other neighbor's truck, They all have different designs on the tire, which is the tire tread design, and those have different purposes. So the thing is, there are so many different combinations of these elements of a tire that go into its purpose, which means that like performance tires would be made differently than a snow tire or a um, off-road mudding tire, I don't even know if those really exist, sorry, are probably very different than your standard uh, tire. And that's why there are so many different options of tires for the same tire size, because it's kind of like how there are a bajillion different choices of shoes for the same size, depending on what you need them for. Like there's, even within shoes, like there's a whole ton of options for like different running shoes for the same size, whether they're for basketball or for tennis or for soccer or for whatever other physical activity you do. I'm not an athlete, so your standard everyday um, cross-training or general running shoe is probably what I'm going to buy, because I'm not doing much more than maybe jogging or hiking. So the different tire types can include all-season, highway, winter, snow, and performance, and each of these different tires feature a specific combination of design and the materials that make the tire up to do their job well. Alright, so I'm going to go through some of these just to give you guys an idea. So there are performance tires which are typically made with a softer rubber, um, so that it has better grip on the road, because then it will, like, smush into the road better. They also have a shorter sidewall for quicker steering response, and a tread design that maximizes how much rubber actually contacts the road. And I have a feeling that performance tires generally go on, like, sport cars, or race cars, or stunt cars, because they really need to have good, solid grip on the road in order to do those high-speed turns with the race cars, to be able to do those insane, like, drifts and fishtails and all that stuff with the stunt cars and movies. And then, you know, sport cars... Sport car owners like them to be fancy, so they probably have performance tires. And then there are snow tires. So, Utah. You kind of need these, generally speaking. And they're great. Like, my dad, every single winter, he will consistently go to the shop and have his snow tires put on his SUV. Because even though the SUV has four-wheel drive, you're going to want snow tires so that the car actually touches the road. Because four-wheel drive doesn't help much when all your tires are still spinning and not having any contact with the ground. So, snow tires feature deep tread lugs, which are the raised portion of a tire's tread. They're the bits that actually, you know, stick out. And they have wide tread grooves to move the snow out from under the tread. Uh, But they also have a relatively narrow design to cut through the snow instead of riding on top of it. Because if you're riding on top of it, that's going to lead to more slipping and sliding, whereas just cutting through means you're kind of like plowing through. Um... 
I just think that's actually really cool, like, in terms of physics and, like, simple machines and stuff, because the actual design of your tire is a simple machine in and of itself, and that it is able to move the snow away or out from under your tire. And that's really cool to me. Like, who came up with that? Honestly, I'll probably fall into a little rabbit hole to try and figure that out, because that's me. Yeah, so when you're looking for new tires, especially in the winter, ask about mud and snow tires. If you live somewhere that has these conditions a good chunk of the year, like Utah or Colorado or Idaho or really anywhere about, you know, you know what your home is like. You know whether or not it's going to have that snow and mud a good chunk of the year. So yeah, it really depends on where you live and all that stuff. And then there are all season tires. Uh, These have a compromise design. Uh, that has many different type of slits and grooves in the tread surface to direct water out from under the tire. And they're also designed for longevity in any weather condition. This still might not be the best choice for you, for those of you in areas that kind of have heavy ice, snow and ice because they might not do the best job. That's why there are snow tires. And so in prep for this episode, I kind of mentioned it to my parents that the first one was out and I was going to do a second one. The second one was probably going to be on tires. And my mom said that she recommends Les Schwab because every time she's worked with them, they've been super reliable and they've been really great whenever we've had a flat, like with replacing it either for super cheap or something like um always double check though with your local places like i'm not an expert on what's going on in arkansas but i'm a semi-expert on what's happening in my small hometown so okay so another thing when you're getting tires that might be kind of interesting and (laughs) important to know is to understand what the tire numbers mean when you're looking at new tires um so this is from page 167 of paul brand's book It's an example straight from there. Um, The example tire number that he gives is P205 slash 60R1589H. And then he goes through and explains what each of the different parts of the number means. So I'm going to go through those. So the P at the beginning of the number means passenger car tire, which would fit most cars. There's also LT, which would mean light truck. Um, so if you have anything smaller than a light truck, your car probably fall under passenger car tire. The 205, uh, is the section width of the tire in millimeters. So the actual width of the tire from the inner sidewall bulge to the outer sidewall bulge. This seems like it'd be very interesting to measure. Not sure how they do, but yeah, so that's just kind of section width of of the tire. And then... The 60 refers to the aspect ratio, so the ratio of the tire's sidewall height to its section width. So this means that this tire's height is 60% of its width. Math is not my thing. That's why I'm in English, but it's kind of weird because at my job, I handle the stats report, so I'm okay with some math. And then R refers to radial construction, and this means the tire is built with its structural cords or belts laid across the shortest distance from bead to bead, exactly perpendicular to the rolling axis. From what I gather from the book, this is how most tires nowadays are made. So yeah, if if you want to know more about that, I would maybe ask the tire salesperson. And then 15 refers to the nominal room diameter in inches. And that refers to the diameter of the rim seat supporting the tire bead. So basically the metal rim that supports the tire. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Again, I'm not a mechanic. 89 
uh, refers to the load index of tire, and this is defined as the max load in pounds that the tire can vertically support safely when inflated to a specific pressure. And that specific pressure is often specified within your owner's manual or on the inside uh, of your card, on the inside of the driver's door. That's very important to know if you're going to be moving a lot of stuff around. And then the last one, H, refers to the speed rating of the tire. This is the max speed that the tire is rated for, so the max speed that the tire can safely be operated at or be used at. And H means a max speed of 130 miles per hour. Who drives that fast? Like, the only people I can think of that would ever drive 130 miles per hour are emergency services, police officers, um, superheroes or like criminals who are in a getaway. I don't know. But anyway, that does not seem like what most normal people would drive at. So yeah, that's basically different types of tires and how to understand the different numbers on tires. Okay, so next I'm going to talk about how to check your tire pressure and why it matters. Like, why does your tire pressure matter? Why do you need to check it so often? Well, first off, check your car's door post, like on the driver's side, um, the glove box or the owner's manual to find the car company's recommendations for tire pressure for your car. Hey, look, it's the return of the owner's manual. <laughs> I, I told you guys it was important for almost every single part of your car. I'm not going to talk about the owner's manual as much in this episode because I feel like I harped on it a lot in part one, but nonetheless, the car owner's manual is super important and it gives you important info about tires. Okay, but typically the tires on a passenger car uh, should have a PSI within the 28 to 40 PSI range and light trucks should have a tire PSA in the 35 to 50 PSI range. Again, this will be specific depending on your car. And it's generally good practice to never let tire pressures drop below about 30 PSI in cold weather, but always check your car specifications. You should check tire pressure about once a month, especially when the weather turns cold, because tire pressures can drop about one pound per 10 degree drop in temperature. And that can be pretty significant when you suddenly have a hard freeze in like November or something and that could mean your tires aren't as great now. Um, you should also check your spare tire periodically because having a flat spare is probably one of the worst things I can think of. Like you're on the side of the highway, your tire has popped, it is blown, it is dead. You cannot drive on it. And so you're like, okay, well, I have my spare tire. And then you go and you check your, you try to get your spare tire and you're picking it up and you feel the rubber squished down like a slightly deflated balloon. And you're just like, ugh, my spare tire is not inflated. And then like, then you don't even have a properly inflated and properly working spare tire. That's, ugh, I don't even, that, mm, that is probably one of the worst things I can think of that can happen while I'm driving. It makes me want to check my spare tire all the time now. Okay, so anyway, uh, why does tire pressure matter? Because tire pressure impacts how much grip your tire has on the road. So if it's properly inflated, it can better grip the road as it is designed to. Whereas if it's overinflated, it might be, might be more prone to pop when you hit like a rock or a pothole or something that normally wouldn't pop it. Or if it's too deflated, it could just be a really wonky ride and not be responsive enough when you might need to turn or stop quickly. Alright, so in order to check your air pressure in your tires, you should, pr you should do it. You should, not probably, 
you should check your tire pressure when the tire is cold, so as in before driving on it. And you'll need a pressure gauge in order to do this. You can use an electronic one or um, an analog. Is that non-electronic? Um, so either an electronic one or a non-electronic one. It doesn't really matter all too, too much. Um, mine's not electronic. <laughs> um, looks like a metal pen with a white stick coming out of it. Um, so, okay, anyway, let's get to the point, Abby. To check the air pressure in your tire, you need to find and remove the inflation valve cap. It'll kind of look like the same ones that were on your bike tires when you were a kid. Um, so yeah, remove that cap, keep a hold of it, you don't want to lose it. Uh, press the tire pressure gauge onto the valve stem so that the gauge is receptacle and gauges. I think there'll be like a faint click. And when you do this, the air pressure in the tire will then force the graded stick out of your non-electronic gauge. Um, remove the gauge without messing with the graded stick and check the numbers, like where the lip of the metal um, lines up with the numbers on the stick. And that will tell you about where the PSI in your tire is. And based on what the gauge tells you, you can move from there. You can uh, check your tires for nails, uh, pieces of wood, sharp rocks, glass, that type of thing. I think my tire went flat because I drove over a nail from in the road. But yeah, and if it doesn't have puncture anything, it could just be seepage from the sealant. And you can go to most gas stations where they have free air pumps so you can refill your tires with air to the right tire pressure. And if you notice that they're getting deflated pretty consistently at a way too fast rate, it might be time to, you know, replace that tire before it gives you trouble on the interstate. So yeah, that's how to check the tire pressure. It's a pretty simple thing to do. Okay, so the next thing that I'm going to talk about and tell you guys how to do is how to check the tire tread wear and why that matters. Um, it matters to check this because tires don't function properly when they're worn out or not pressurized correctly. Makes sense, right? We've all probably noticed this more often with our bike tires. But really, why should you check the tire tread? depth because the deeper the tread surface the better the tires can grip the road in wet conditions. Um, it's a wider channel for the water to be pushed away and out from under the tire so that it can grip the road better. The deeper tread depth allows more water to be pushed out of the way and that makes your trip safer. So you don't hydroplane like my uncle did down a hill. He was fine. Let me tell you that uncle has some pretty awesome stories. Alright so new passenger car tires typically start with a 10 30 seconds of an inch of tread depth and that is insanely small seeming to me and tread wear indicators in your car start to notify you at about 2 30 seconds or 3 30 seconds of an inch of tread depth but it's suggested in Paul Brown's book that you replace your tires at about 4 30 seconds or 5 30 seconds of an inch of tread depth because well better safe than sorry I mean you want to be as safe as you can in cars Okay, so to check your tire wear, you'll need either a tread depth gauge, which you can get at most auto parts stores, I think, or a penny. The latter is probably cheaper for most of us. Um, I've actually heard about this trick before, but I forgot how it worked. Like, I, I think I learned it when I was like 16 or something and in driver's ed, but I couldn't remember how it worked. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited that I found it again. That's legit. So the penny test. Dun, dun, dun. Insert a penny into the tread with Lincoln's head pointed down and facing you. If you can see the top of Lincoln's head when it's fully inserted, the tire is most likely ready for replacement. Or, if you can't see the top of Lincoln's head, you're probably fine for a little while longer. 
Or you can use a tread depth gauge, which is a lot like the tire pressure gauge um, metal cylinder that looks like a pen with a white stick. Um, you also insert this into the tread, and it uses a marked stick to show the tread depth in different increments. But the book suggests looking at the 30 seconds of an inch markings, but I feel like there's a better fraction for that. So, so yeah, when your tire's tread gets below that nice 4 or 5 30 seconds of an inch. Have I been saying 30 seconds? Oh my gosh. No, that's correct. 30 seconds. So once your tire gets down to that 4 30 seconds or 5 30 seconds of an inch tread depth, probably should consider replacing them so that way your tires work properly and you're all nice and safe in your car. And because sometimes we forget to do these things, you might encounter the flat tire like I did so many years ago. And I mean, flat tires happen all the time. Like I drove, I drove back to school the other day and I think I passed like the remnants of five blown tires, probably more. You need to know how to change a flat tire, even if it's just the rim that's all that's left. So you got a flat tire. It's not fun but it's something we should all know how to deal with. So I'm gonna explain and walk you through how to change a flat tire. There are also tons of YouTube videos about this, but hey, at least with mine, you don't have to look at a screen. All right, so first off, you're gonna need to know where your jack, lug wrench, and spare tire are in your car. Most cars will have all these things packed away together, um, probably in your trunk or near there. And uh, word to the wise, a little tip from Paul Brand's book, uh, you should only change a tire on level ground because otherwise the car could roll when you jack it up and you don't want that to happen. Um, you might also want to wear gloves. It could be dirty. It could be rough on your hands. Who knows? So with the tire on the ground, break the lug nuts free so that they will come off easily, but don't actually take them off right now. You don't want them off right now. Um, if the lug nuts are too tight to turn with just your hands and your arm muscles, which knowing me, that would be extremely hard for me to do with just my arms, um, put the wrench securely on the nut with the handle pointed to the left, then press down on it with your foot for better leverage. And then, so once you get those loosened, you take your jack, which is designed to fit in a specific place on the car, and put it there. So that specific place should be noted in your owner's manual or with the instructions that come with the jack. Because uh, if you put it in the wrong place, you can do some damage, it might not lift properly, yeah. Um, so following your jack's instructions, use it to raise the vehicle until the tire is off the ground. Now you can take the lug nuts off that you should have loosened earlier. And pull the wheel off and set it aside. Make sure it doesn't go rolling off down a hill, because then you have to chase it. Grab your spare tire and lift it onto the wheel studs. If the spare tire is too heavy for you to just lift normally, you can sit on the ground in front of the wheel housing and use your feet and legs to try and lift it into place. And then thread all the nuts onto the studs and hand tighten them with the lug wrench. You don't want them completely tightened, but you want them tight enough that the spare tire won't fall off when you step away. Lower the jack until the tread of the new spare tire makes contact with the ground, but don't completely lower the vehicle yet. Um, this is so that the tire is stable enough that you can fully tighten the lug nuts without the wheel spinning. Always tighten the lug nuts in a crisscross pattern. I'm not quite sure, but I think it's so that they're all evenly tightened. So after double checking that the lug nuts are securely tightened, lower the vehicle, throw everything in the trunk that you just used, your busted tire, your jack, your lug wrench, everything that you need to. You can get back on the road. You should 
probably fix or replace your flat tire as soon as possible and get your spare tire reset so that you're prepared if another tire goes flat and you won't be in a tight bind. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about real quick is tire alignment. Now the thing is with tire alignment, it seems like a pretty complicated process in order to fully understand. So I'm just gonna explain why it's important to check. So what does alignment do? Proper alignment affects tire wear and affects your steering stability, comfort, and control. And you should check this, oh I don't know, let's see here what my handy dandy chart from the last episode said. Probably checked about every 3,000 to 5,000 miles, so like twice a year. Um, at least that's what I gather from my chart I made for the last episode about your general maintenance uh, schedule. Yeah, so so alignment is most often referred to now as four-wheel alignment, but in most cars, the rear wheels, the rear wheels cannot be aligned. They can be aligned in some cars, like those with independent rear suspension, but what this really means is to align the front wheels relative the direction the rear wheels are pointing, to make sure everything is on a center line and that your car drives straight when the steering wheel is centered. Yeah, so the point of all this is that by finding the physical center line of the vehicle, then finding the thrust axis, which is the product of where the two rear wheels are pointed, the front tires can then be properly aligned to let the car track perfectly straight with the steering wheel perfectly centered. So if your car pulls to one side or something like that, it could be an issue with the tires or with the alignment or a similar problem that has to do with suspension and steering and all that. Hopefully it's just the alignment or the tires because then it's a much simpler fix than I think is than dealing with transmission would be. And I found a really great YouTube video that actually looks at alignment, like telling if your tires are aligned and then fixing it yourself. But again, I'm not so sure about the whole fixing it yourself. So I'll be putting a link to that in my show notes. It's from um, Ratchets and Wrenches YouTube channel. And the video is how to perform a front end alignment yourself. It goes through some pretty great um, explanations of how to do this and how to fix it and stuff. I'm not sure, so sure how confident I would be fixing it myself, but that's just me. Okay, so quick, quick review. So this week I've talked about tires. I'm sorry that I didn't talk about more about cars. Yeah, so tires. So we've talked about different types of tires from performance to snow to all season tires. We've talked about the tire numbers and what they mean. We've talked about how to check your tire pressure. Basically, you need to have a tire pressure gauge and you stick it onto the um, inflation valve and depending on where that stick pops out to that's how much psi is in your tire which is pounds per square inch i believe thank you mythbusters for teaching me about psi and then i also talked about how to check your tire tread wear and tear and you can check that with a penny if you stick lincoln in head down but you can see his head and you can see the top of his head you should probably definitely replace that tire and if you can't see the top of his head, you're probably okay. And I talked about how to change a flat tire. Then I talked very briefly about tire alignment and why it's important. Yeah, so that was what we covered this episode. Um, And then the other resources that we have this week are, again, How to Repair Your Car by Paul Brand. And then I found some car repair DIY YouTube channels through um, an article on interestingengineering.com. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Don't worry. 
in MLA format because I'm an English major. But yeah, so these channels that the article lists are all DIY repair channels and they range from like for experts to beginners to people who are interested in cars with tips and tricks for everyone in between. And so the channels I'm going to list here, I quickly viewed at least one of their videos to get a feel for them and some of them are more funny than others, some of them are more serious, you know how it goes. These are the channels. So there's Ratchets and Wrenches, which I mentioned earlier. I, uh, it started out as a DIY car repair channel but has grown quite a bit. And then there's Scotty Kilmer's YouTube channel which he's a humorous mechanic with 50 years of experience who very obviously loves cars and loves to share his knowledge and hints and tips about taking care of cars. Like I watched it and immediately I was smiling and chuckling to myself but I also learned. And then there is Chris Fix. Um, this channel has 4.3 million subscribers. Actually let me double check that. Scratch that. After a quick check Chris Fix YouTube channel actually has 4.7 million subscribers and over 300 videos. Then there's South Main Auto. This channel is run by Eric O. He owns and runs a small town auto shop and has almost two decades of experience and he's explaining things as he goes on real repairs. And then the last channel that I looked at was Eric the Car Guy. Uh, this channel has over 1 million subscribers and over 800 videos on many topics from repairs to refurbishments of cars. And one of the cool things is you can ask him questions I think in the comments or something and he answers them in future videos or even in the comments probably. So yeah, I hope that this little tangent episode going into tires was able to add on to the other one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hoped that, as always, I was able to educate you guys a little bit more, make you a little bit more informed. If you have any stories about cars and blowing out a tire on the highway or something or repairing your car in some way, shoot me an email at idkadulting at gmail.com. And then the podcast is also over on Twitter at IDK underscore adulting. And I will generally post show updates there. I'm trying to do it more and more. So yeah, this has been Cars, the Saga, part two on IDK adulting with me, Abby Beezer. Because none of us really know what we're doing and anything helps.